you would please open your Bibles to the book of Jonah. Where is the book of Jonah? It's in the Old Testament. It's after the book of Psalms. Psalms, in most Bibles, depending on what kind of extra things are in the back of your Bible, Psalms tends to be in the middle of your Bible. When you just open a normal Bible, it opens to Psalms. It's past that, headed toward the New Testament in the midst of the Minor Prophets. Jonah. See, I've heard of Jonah. He's the guy who was followed by who was swallowed by a whale, right? Well, the Bible doesn't say he was swallowed by a whale. It says he was swallowed by a great fish. And we're going to get to that in chapter one, which is where we are this morning. Jonah chapter one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let's cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. They could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, Oh, Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. 
surely believe that. I mean, really. A, a man swallowed by an enormous fish and, and lives to tell about it? Really? I've never seen a fish that would uh, fit the bill like that. Never seen it. And we all know that anything I haven't seen doesn't exist. Right? No. But there are people, even preachers, who just don't believe this is true. It's a myth. You know, it's a fable. It's, it, 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 it's you know, it's kind of like a talking snake in a garden where people weren't wearing clothes and they got in trouble for eating a piece of fruit. I mean, who really believes that stuff? Okay. First of all, do you believe in God? Do you believe God exists? There are tons of folks in our society who have been educated into abysmal foolishness. And they actually believe that everything exists just by chance. Okay? It's just, just chance. Um, you know, I mean, who's to say? I'll tell you who's to say, God. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And the fact of the matter is that if you just look at the evidence and think realistically, whether you want to come at it from the mathematical science of probability, whether you want to look at it in terms of the microchemistry, whether you want to look at it in terms of you know, scanning the heavens and seeing the vastness of the universe, however you want to look at it, the only way you cannot believe in God is to be determined not to believe in God. The evidence is absolutely overwhelming. And even people who have been taught to be atheists, when they look at the evidence, it's like, that doesn't make sense. This Friday night, I'm going to be having dinner with, uh, God willing, with uh, a, a precious couple from mainland China. And um, they were taught not to believe in God. They were taught that it wasn't so. But our friend Peter, when he was getting his degree in mathematics from the university in Beijing, just thought, you know, this doesn't make sense. What am I doing this for? How do I know what's real and what's not? And so he began a search for truth. And the God who is God arranged for someone to give him a Bible and suggest that he read it. He said, I got through the first three chapters of Genesis and I said, no man could make this up. So he read on. When he came to the New Testament, he said, I want to follow Jesus the rest of my life. And that's what he's doing. And he hopes to go back to his native country. Even though he knows that to do so would risk imprisonment and possibly death. 
But you see, he wants to obey God. Either this Bible is true or it's not. You can't have it both ways. You say, well, I think some of it is true and, and some of it is not. Then you're setting yourself up as the authority. You're putting yourself in the supreme position. How does the evidence line up for that? How, how has your life so far demonstrated your infallibility? Okay? I think it's better to humbly recognize that God's word is perfect and we are not. It's either true or it isn't. And you either believe it or you don't. You can't just leave it suspended out there indefinitely. Either you believe it or you don't. If you're not sure, then investigate. Never be afraid to investigate. But eventually, you have to make a decision. Imagine if every time I was scheduled to get up here and speak, I, I, I sort of... Well, you, know, you never know. Somebody could have come in here overnight and sabotaged underneath the platform and made it so it's going to collapse when I put my weight on it. Okay? So I've, I've got to be tentative. I can't really just sit down on the pew. I've got, to, I've got to check it out. It looks okay, but I'm not sure. Folks, that wouldn't be OCD. That would just be flat-out insanity. All of us put confidence in things every day that have much less history of trustworthiness than God's Word. Okay? So if you want to check out the evidence, check out the evidence. If you want to study biblical archaeology, please do so. But eventually you have to decide, am I going to believe this? This claims to be the Word of God. Am I going to believe that? You either believe it or you don't. And what you believe does not determine whether or not it's God's Word and does not determine whether or not it's true. You can disbelieve it all the way to hell. But it's still God's word, and it's still true. Totally trustworthy. When we deal with miracles, whether it's in the book of Jonah or elsewhere in the scripture, there are some things that are helpful for perspective. Good things to remember. Number one, God is the creator of all things. Okay? That is the record of scripture from Genesis to Revelation. God is the creator of all things. Nothing was created apart from God's creative work through his word, Jesus. Now, he's not only the creator, but he is not some impersonal energy force. Okay? If you get your theology from things like Star Wars, um, you know, you're really, really foolish. God is a personal, intelligent, all-knowing, all-powerful ruler over his creation. He's in charge, and he's in control. So are you saying every time something bad happens, God made it happen? No, I'm saying God's in charge. 
There's a lot of stuff that happens that God says he despises. And he teaches us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's saying God's not in control. No, it's not saying God's not in control. It is saying that the God who is in control allows latitude within his creation as a result of the hideous choices that we made way back there in the garden. I wasn't there in the garden. Yes, you were. I was not. I'm only 12 years old. Yeah, but judicially speaking, you were there in your parents. I love history, and I love going and seeing where my ancestors did certain things, okay? Because some of my ancestors are really cool, and they did some really cool stuff, okay? And I married a lady who's got some really cool ancestors who did some really cool stuff, okay? I think my ancestors are cooler, but anyway. The fact of the matter is, what they did impacted us. And you say, well, I would never do that. Yes, you do. What did they do that was such a disaster? They disobeyed God's word. Have you ever done that? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, we prove ourselves to be their descendants by acting like they did. God allowed them that choice, knowing what they would do. And the consequence was, as God promised, death. But God didn't let the story end there. God provided redemption for all who trust in him. So, God is in control. Doesn't mean everything happens is good, but God works everything together for the good of those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. Well, but, but, but what about miracles? Well, miracles in Scripture are not treated as ordinary run-of-the-mill events. The reason they're recorded is because they are extraordinary. This is not a normal thing. You never read in the Bible uh, just a, uh, some account of, you know, and then he got up and he, uh, he made a, a little falafel. Why not? Don't you think they ever ate falafels? Sure, but it's not a miracle, so it's not recorded. But when stuff like this happens, it gets recorded because this is where God the Creator, who is Almighty, intervened in history in order to accomplish His purpose. And you know what? God's still doing that. There are still miracles today. Now, some of them are less dramatic than getting swallowed by a fish and spit up three days later and going on a preaching mission, okay? But I'll tell you this, I've seen some absolutely amazing miracles in my own lifetime. And whether it's humorous stuff like my purple sneakers, if you don't know that story, you need to ask. Whether it's humorous stuff like my purple sneakers or whether it's God sparing me from running over a family that was having a picnic right on the other side of the pine trees that I was going to go through in order to keep from rear-ending a little old lady in a Ford Maverick when I was a teenager. 
okay? In order to keep from hitting her, I had to run off the road, and if I kept going straight, I was going to hit a telephone pole, and those pines looked a whole lot more forgiving than that telephone pole. So I was going to go through the pines, and the Holy Spirit said, hit the pole. And I thought, that is crazy. I'm going through the pines. And the Holy Spirit said, hit the pole. And I thought, there is no way. I would total my car. And the Holy Spirit said, hit the pole. And I gripped the wheel, and I hit the pole. And immediately, seconds later, a woman comes through those pines saying, oh my God, are you all right? Now she shouldn't have said, oh my God, but I'm going to be accurate and honest and tell you that's what she said. Well, it was my God that kept her from being killed. She and her kids were on a blanket right on the ground on the other side of those trees, and I would have gone right over When things like that happen, or when you're praying that God will provide this much money to meet this need, and God sends exactly what you need, and those kinds of things happen over and over and over and over and over and over in your life, then anybody who wants to come along and say, how do you know it? there really is a God? I don't feel like, oh gosh, well, maybe I need to rethink it. I'd have to be insane as well as stupid, in order to not believe in a personal God who cares about his people and meets their needs just as he has promised. That said, we've got this story. It's a true story. You need to know that it's a true story. Jesus even treats it like a true story. So if, if you run into one of those goofy red-letter-only people, Tell them to read the red letters, okay? Because if they'd read the red letters, they'd know they need to read the rest of the book too. Because in the red letters, Jesus says that the rest of the book is true. Numerous times. So we're dealing with the word of the Lord here, and what happened was the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, Nineveh was a foreign capital, it was a major metropolis, it was an enemy of God's people. They persecuted Jonah's people. And so when Jonah hears that God is upset with Nineveh and he is to go and warn them, preach against that city, he does not want to go. He'll say that later in the book. Because his fear is that God might have mercy on them if they show any signs of repentance. Why would he think that about God? Well, maybe because he was alive. You see, all of us are here because of God's mercy. Because of God's patience. And Jonah knew God's like that. So when God says, I'm angry at them, Jonah thinks, good. When God says, go warn them, Jonah's like, no, not today. And so what he does is so incredibly stupid. He tries to run away from God. Psalm 139 
says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Remember Adam and Eve? You were there. Our first parents, remember that story? When they sinned against God, suddenly they became ashamed of their bodies. And so they tried to cover their nakedness with leaves. Then they heard the sound of God walking in the garden, and the guilt rose up. They were terrified, and they ran and tried to hide themselves among the bushes. People have been doing the same stupid stuff ever since, trying to run from God. You can't get away from God. God knows everything. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it all together. The Lord knows the end from the beginning. He, he knows everything. He knows the motive of our hearts, even when we fool ourselves about why we're doing stuff. I've had more than one embarrassing conversation with God where I thought I was doing something for really noble reasons, and God said, actually, I think you're interested in this. And I was like, oh, well, I'm sorry. You're right. God's always right. He knows everything, including everything about us. If, if I were to ask you just very quickly, one after another, to give me a count of how many hairs are on top of your head this morning, okay? How, how many of you could do that? None. None. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> if you've got a shaved head, you might be able to count that high. But... I mean, we don't know, but God does. God knows how many hairs are on top of our head. You couldn't tell me how many hairs are in your beard, okay? We don't know. We don't know how many hairs are on our head, but God does. God knows how many epithelial cells are in your body. I don't even know what an epithelial cell is. Well, God does. He made them. He invented them, and they're helpful. You know what? God knows everything. Sometimes I try and get my smartphone to give me information while it's doing another task. And Siri will tell me that she's not able to do that right now. I think, you're not so smart. Well, I couldn't really do either of those things myself, much less both at the same time. But still, you're supposed to be a smartphone. God knows everything. He has all information. God knows everybody's phone number. Did you know that? God knows everybody's phone number. God knows everybody's birth date. Don't ask me why, but recently I was thinking, was I born on a Tuesday? I think I was born on a Tuesday. I can't ask mom. She's already in heaven. Oh, I can ask my phone. So I checked to see what day of the week it was that I was born. And you know what? It was a Tuesday. 
I haven't forgotten everything. Here's the thing. You try and run away from God, that is a fool's errand. Never going to be successful. And yet some of you are running right now. You can't outrun God. When God's call is on your life, you just need to do what he says. So, Jonah went down to the coast. I'm going to Tarshish, he thought. That's the opposite direction of Nineveh. And so he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship bound for Tarshish. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And the Lord said, oh, well, I mean, if he's on a boat and he's going the opposite way, I'll have to get somebody else. No, God had already chosen him. God was going to use him. And so while he's headed that way, God kind of interferes with plans. I love the description of the Egyptians when they were trying to chase the Israelites across the Red Sea. And it says, their wheels came off. Now, this is before the water comes back down on top of them. They're chasing and their wheels on their chariots came off. They've made this journey to catch up with the Israelites. They caught them and they're chasing them and God makes their wheels come off. And it says, this made it difficult. <laughs> yeah. I had a cousin, and I'm told he was driving with great pride the used Porsche that he had bought. And all of a sudden, as they're driving along, they saw this wheel going, rolling down the road, and they thought, ha, whose is that? <laughs> when the wheels come off, it's hard to go forward. And I'll tell you something. If you're in a boat and God's going, <laughs> you're headed the wrong way. God caused a great wind to come up, and it was so great that it totally stirred up the sea. And now the ship is not just being bounced around, it's starting to break up. And Jonah, he's asleep down in the boat. He's in a deep sleep. Guess what? Some people are asleep when the storm's going on. And Jonah was awakened. Have you ever been awakened when you were in a deep sleep and somebody comes in and says, get up, get up! Okay? No fun. Jonah's awakened and he's told, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. These guys were afraid they were going to die. And they'd been calling on their gods, because everybody's got a god. Even the atheist has a god. Everybody has a god. Everybody has something that is greater than themselves in which they put their confidence. You all know, I think some people just think that they are god. I guarantee you, they may act like that. But when push comes to shove, when there's a crisis, 
It may be the medical establishment they put their confidence in. It may be a political ruler they put their confidence in. It may be a bodyguard or a team of bodyguards, but everybody has to look outside themselves at some point. And if you're looking at bodyguards and stock markets, financial advisors, political heroes, anything but God to be your security and your provider and your guide, you are foolish. And I'm being kind. We've been crying out to our God. It's only getting worse. You try calling on your God. Maybe we will not perish. The sailors said, we've got to figure out who's at fault here. Somebody's got to be the cause of this. This is not normal. This is extraordinary. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And so they started quizzing him, all these questions bombarding him. Tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Let me tell you something about this planet. It's, it's uh, divided into sea and land. <laughs> what, was he, what was he telling them? He's saying, I worship the God who made everything. Now, God didn't just make this planet. God made the stars. God made everything. But shorthand, this will do. He says, my God is the Lord who made the sea and the land. They were terrified by this. And they asked, what have you done? Then they said, what should we do? What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? And he said, pick me up and throw me in the sea. It's my fault. This is happening to you. Jonah's ready to die in order that they might be saved. So they threw him in the water, but not until they'd prayed. Some people pray before meals. They prayed before throwing a man overboard. They said, oh Lord. Now they'd never prayed to the Lord before. They had other gods, but now suddenly they're talking to the God who is God. Because they've seen some things that have opened their eyes to the fact that their gods are not like this God. And they say, please do not hold us guilty for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. And so then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. And so then they all felt wonderful and happy. No. Part of them was relieved because the storm has stopped, but part of them was terrified. They greatly feared the Lord. And so, they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. How do people know they're supposed to offer a sacrifice to the Lord? Because from the very start, the first sacrifice was offered by God in order to provide a covering for the sin of man. Way back in the garden. Remember? We were there. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows to him. 
Jonah had actually been used by God to bring foreigners to faith. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. The Lord provided the fish. The Lord provided the wind. The Lord provided the storm. The Lord is going to provide one thing after another after another in the book of Jonah. I want you to understand something. God is still providing today. And sometimes what he provides is something to rescue us. Sometimes what he provides is something to get our attention. Sometimes what he provides is not something we would choose. But it's always what is best. God knows what is best. He knows what's best for you. If you say, well, you know, I don't think God cares about me. I'll tell you a story about that sometime. God cares about you. He knows about you. And if you're willing to face reality, God will show himself on your behalf if you will trust in him. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you that we can count on you to always do what is best. Thank you for your love and your grace and for the scriptures which tell us the truth. Help us to believe your word and to obey your word and not run from you like Jonah did when he heard your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.